When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network. I'm your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, back with you from Jupiter, Florida, in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Gangster Pete is in St. Louis. Just a couple more weeks of spring training shows. If you have missed our interviews We are very pleased with what we've been able to bring you, uh, starting with Cardinal Fantasy Camp and David Eckstein and Brian Jordan and then Cardinal Players with uh, Dexter Fowler and Alex Reyes. This week, our guest is Cardinal Manager Mike Schilt. I'd like to think, uh, hearing some personality from him, that you uh, don't uh, necessarily get a chance to hear all that often, although he's got a great personality and he's so kind of self-deprecating and lighthearted that... That maybe uh, maybe that's not an accurate statement. I don't know. And uh, and then we'll have our spring training slash 2019 season preview interview with Cardinal President of Baseball Operations John Mazzella coming up for you next week. So if you want to settle in, and I know uh, some people when they're traveling or that on the road, they just kind of get in a mode where they're just like, I'm going to catch up on these things and binge listen. That's the move. Uh, you've got them all for you. You might be getting baseball crazy with this uh, season fast approaching questions from the audience comes your way every Wednesday here on the Tim McKernan show we do it from the homeloanexpert.com studios Ryan Kelly is the sponsor of the homeloanexpert.com studios man we like that Ryan Kelly Uh, he just completed the Baton Memorial Death March and he wants you to know that this is a great time to refinance refinances are paying off credit card debt and shortening the length of your loan skipping a month or two of payments how nice would that be no out-of-pocket costs, and getting rid of that risky line of credit. It only takes five minutes to get pre-approved, and it's free. You can do it right now as you're listing at thehomeloanexpert.com, thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly, the sponsor of our studios, very grateful for his sponsorship. Uh, We're down here in Jupiter, Florida for Cardinal Spring Training, and he has been with us since we started this thing in October of 2017. Support the sponsors if you love the podcast. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Got great questions this week. I always get fired up when we get great questions. And and then then the challenge becomes how do I make sure that I answer uh, everything um, and and give give as many answers as I can to all the questions. Because I, I know that I'm, I'm long-winded, and here I am being long-winded about being long-winded, which is just is redundant as fuck. And so i got to make sure I do a better job. And so I'm going right into him. I'm going right into him, Jack. I'm going to start with this one I could go deep on. Um, so there, Gangster Pete, you're already, you're already scoffing because you know we're going to have a problem. You're hitting the hole, um, and then you're backing up. <laughs> I'm hitting the hole, and then I'm back. Well, I know, here's where I am. I know that I'm interviewing uh, St. Louisan 
uh, and PGA Tour winner, not just PGA Tour golfer, PGA Tour winner, like seven weeks ago maybe at this point, Adam Long. Um, and we're meeting uh, up at PGA National Resort. Man, would I recommend that PGA National Resort to you online at pgaresort.com. Golf, resorts, spa, pools, restaurants, five golf courses, 10 minutes away from Roger Dean Stadium. It's online at pgaresort.com. And Adam played there just a couple weeks ago in the Honda. Then the next week, he finished in the top 10 at Bay Hill, Arnold Palmer's tournament. And uh, he won the Desert Classic, beating Phil Mickelson. So anyway, I'm talking to you at 11.31 Eastern Time. I'm interviewing Adam at 1 o'clock Eastern Time, so I'm on the clock. But then this question came in last week, and I didn't get to it. And um, But I think it's helpful for people, so I'm going to answer it, and I'm going to try to be as transparent as possible. But there's some – anyway, there's, there's the disclaimers. They're always there. Tim – Successes, failures, past relationships, jobs, friendships, etc. help shape who we are today. For better or for worse, we are affected and changed by them. If I understand correctly, you have been married before. What, if anything, did you learn from your first marriage that has been particularly helpful in your current marriage? Were there any bumps? Uh, were there any bumps in the road, so to speak, in your current marriage that were the result of leftover baggage from your first. hope this isn't too personal. Heck, maybe I will win the prize for the first fuck you response on the Tim McKernan Show questions from the audience podcast. P.S. You ought to get that sponsored. You must mention one time the show how you want people to ask you anything and that the worst that could happen is you'll F-bomb them for anything asked that's out of bounds. Warm regards. That's from Micah. Feel free to use my name if you want. Okay, so I have been married before, um, but I also know that a lot of people who now listen to TMA were not listening when I was married before. And so I was kind of, and in, in now we're talking about 11 years since I was married um, the first time. So it's been a long time, especially since I know some listeners are like not even a year into the show and you're going back 11 years. Um, part of... Uh, Part of one of the things that I would say I learned uh, would be um, just just a respect for the other person, it, a respect for people in general, you know, which I think most people would, would say that's kind of basic and you're no hero for saying that, uh, but respect for, for somebody who I was, you know, married to, certainly, and one of the elements of our divorce was that I don't talk about the divorce, nor does she, but obviously I'm the one with the, you know, the radio show and the, you know, website. And now, at the time of the divorce, there wasn't really social media. I mean, there was, but it's certain. I mean, I didn't have a Twitter account at that time. And I had a Twitter account starting in 20, 2009. So, um, so out of respect for that, I've always adhered to that. I always will adhere to that. That's just, that's, that's kind of a, a, just a basic thing. It's, again, not heroic. Um, but I can, t- I can talk about, you know, w- the second part of the question more so if, you know, what I've learned, I guess more comparing, contrasting myself then to now. And this made me feel good since I guess I worship at the altar of Howard Stern and I was listening to him and I think this was an older segment. Uh, and it was just yesterday I was listening to him and he was talking about, and God, I don't recall how it came up. And trust me, this will all tie into Micah's question. But he said... Um, I guess it was somebody like pulling a prank on somebody. Or no, it was a radio. Ah, I don't remember what it was. 
I guess Jimmy Kimmel and Sean Hannity were having a Twitter war, and I think this is an old segment that I was listening to, but, you know, they replay old segments on that station all the time on uh, Howard 100 or 101, and I was driving along and listening to it, and he kind of goes, you know, in the whole scheme of things, it's all theater. Jimmy doesn't owe Hannity an apology. Hannity doesn't owe Jimmy an apology. You know, Hannity, I guess, wanted Kimmel to apologize for making fun of Melania Trump, but, and then Howard's like, but Hannity made fun of Michelle Obama. It's all just theater, and and he goes, you know, and it's just doing it for the sake of doing it. He goes, but at the same time, I did that stuff. I did it hundreds of times where I'd have wars with people, and I would, and I look back on it now, and I'm just like, I'm embarrassed by it, and it's just like I I feel terrible about it, and I I like when he has those moments of self awareness and slash reconciliation on the air because I feel that way. And since I worship at the altar of Howard Stern, I'm exaggerating it, but certainly his movie and his show played a role in in influencing me without question, ripping him off, whatever you would want to say. Um, Because I look at, as I've said, I know a lot of times, probably on questions from the audience, but I know I've said it on TMA, occasionally anytime I'll hear clips of the morning grind, I listen to me, that person at that time, and just cringe and go, fuck that guy. I mean, what an asshole. And, um, and, and while that, that's, that is my, that's my personality, just like this is my personality. That was my personality at the time. And I think when I look back on it, just, just how, um, self-centered I was, not to say that I'm not now, but it just was worse then, um, w- both on the show and then I'm sure it transferred to my personal life and not just marriage, but personal life in general, friends, family, whatever the case might be. Uh, and again, I don't want to portray it now that I'm selfless. That's not what I'm saying. However, because um, you, if, if you, any, whether you get fired from a place with cause, I want to make sure I emphasize that, um, or, um, you know, you make a choice. Well, how about this? Because this, this would speak more to some things that I have, have done. It hasn't fortunately happened often, but it certainly happened. You hire someone and it doesn't work out. Um, I, think it's imp- I think it's important, but I also think it's kind of logical to revisit the process that led to the hire or in the case of a relationship, the process that led to a relationship, and then also, like, what you thought, why you thought it was going to work, and then what were the things that you had a bad read on, and what would you go back and do differently? Um, So, for example, one thing for me, because I'm in the process down here, as I've talked about on TMA, um, Anna Marie's parents uh, have lived with us uh, in our um, place in, in, in PGA National, uh, God, it's a, a damn, damn near two months, just shy of two months, like for real, like three days short of two months. And they just left this morning and my parents were going to come down. And I love that. I love it. It's one of the reasons why I do it because you just don't know. You just don't know. First off, I don't know if I'll ever be able to do this again. And then secondly, you just don't know if anybody else is good. You know, somebody else might not be able to do it. And you want to take advantage of it. And, and then third, you know, um, Assuming I'm living in St. Louis in three years, and I suppose that's not a five-star lock, but assuming I am, I'm under contract through the end of 2021 with KFNS. Um, but let's say we decide after my contract's up that we want to move. You know, you never know when you're going to be able to do this stuff. Um, 
and I and, and just for the record, because I know sometimes people can get hypersensitive or whatever. I just talking about it, I love living in Jupiter, Florida. I love I hate the cold weather. So that's that's the reason. I love the city of St. Louis. Give me April through October and it's wonderful. I just I'm at a I just can't handle it. I just can't handle it. and people say the same shit to me. So this is just I'm in a position with my job that I that you know, you can do it remotely as tech is going for people in the in the tech sector. Uh, and more and more people will be able to live remotely, so or work remotely, and then live where they uh, would want to if they don't like particular weather situations. So, with that all said, my parents now, as it turns out, aren't going to be able to come down. And one of the things that our that my in laws and my parents do, in addition to us getting to spend all this time with them and you know hang out and you know experience you know family, which is super important, is. Uh, is, you know, they take care of our one-year-old. They help take care of the one-year-old. They don't only take care of the one-year-old. And uh, and so now, with my parents not coming down, and we still have uh, 11 days down here, uh, we're, we're looking at babysitters. And so I was thinking to myself, in the interview process of interviewing babysitters, how oftentimes, if I get a tell on someone in the when I've hired people in the past, that... I will participate in some form of confirmation bias, my own confirmation bias. And by that means, I like something about this this person, and therefore I am not going to approach the hiring process as like a devil's advocate, but more so look for things to confirm my intuition. And that's a flaw. So, you know, not just speaking of, one relationship, but so many relationships uh, over the course of my uh, my my life, uh, and going back, God, to almost 25 years here, uh, which is weird to say, but that would be the math. Um, you know what I did wrong because I put a, I put a lot of it on myself. I don't I don't think I don't know how you can't unless you're with somebody where you're like okay, and I guess I did have that in one relationship. Uh, where I'm kind of like, wow, this is this is this is a little, this is a little much here. But on the majority of the relationships that didn't wind up working out, I blame myself, like like all but really one. And um, and I'm sure that's not really alarming to the listener. But uh, you know, once once you get divorced, you can't help but you know re-examine that uh, and what happened. And so, um, you know, one of the things that is just a coincidence of my marriage to Anna Marie is uh, I have a really good relationship, close relationship with her parents. And Anna Marie has a good relationship, close relationship, not necessarily with my brothers, not that they don't get along, but there are, you know, there are my brothers are both married, so with their wives, and then with my sister, um, who is in the same age range as uh, as Anna Marie, and so they they all have this rapport, which isn't anything that I did. It's just a coincidence. But I think, and I could be wrong on this, but and there's not this, so this is really isn't a, this isn't a device. It's an it's an observation when you have a 
a close family relationship that goes beyond the husband and wife, I think it helps solidify um, the relationship's foundation um, as a whole. In other words, it would make it tougher to break. Um, And people are more, I think, comfortable talking and helping each other and not wanting to bail just for the sake of bailing. I also think, and again, I'm trying to do this within the scope of, you know, and it's like anytime I talk about a relationship. Now, I talk about myself and, you know, want to get into, you know, talking stag or, or pleasuring oneself or whatever the case might be. That's fi- that's my own little domain of things that people might be like, oh, that's super uncomfortable. I don't like it or it's offensive or whatever term one would want to use. But it's my own thing. So I'm not bringing anybody else to the dance, you know, who who would who doesn't want to be involved in the dance. Um, so I'm trying to answer the question about relationships, but only talking about, you know, my own experience. So therefore, I'm not like talking about, you know, whether it be my wife or my, um, you know, previous girlfriends or marriage or anything along those lines. So I hope people understand what I'm doing here. It's kind of a difficult channel to navigate all while wanting to be as straightforward as possible. So the answer is, of course, you ha- even, even, if, even if somebody is 99% to blame, the other person is 99% to blame, you still have one percent on yourself and so you have and I'm not saying that's the case in this I'm just saying in general I feel I feel like oftentimes when somebody has a breakup or a divorce it leads to this oh fuck the you know your ex-wife or fuck your ex-husband and then they're just like get demonized and I and and I guess that's that's the easiest way to go about it because it might be uncomfortable or not you know not the right thing to do to go into the details of it and on top of it how often is the other person there to represent themselves uh, to like go into, you know, well, yeah, that happened, but here's, you know, this happened too, and you probably didn't hear about that. You can't do anything about it. You can't get caught up in it. All you can do is try not to repeat history and try to be more respectful. And I think that one of the things that's just coincidental in my marriage with Anna Marie is, well, now we, have, of course, have a child, which is, you know, I mean, the absolute ultimate um, but the fact that I'm really, cl- I mean, I, is, is her mom was saying goodbye last night because they took off super early this morning to, to drive back to St. Louis with all of their stuff. It's difficult to fly. It's like, we're already, we put some of our stuff in their car because there's so much stuff when you're living somewhere for a few months. Um, she goes, how many son-in-laws would, or sons-in-law, whatever the proper plural is, would live with their in-laws for for two months and I go yeah I said it, it's I don't even think about it you know it, the only the only thing that for me is an issue which has nothing to do with them it would even if my parents were here it would be that I just like to have my time alone my privacy as I've spoken about a number of times on this but they're just great people I mean they're just outstanding people they're outstanding people and that's that's not anything I did. It's not like I'm like, oh, you know, Anna Marie's great and everything, but how are her parents? If her parents are no good, then I'm out. That's not it. It just kind of happened. And that's not to say any of my previous relationships, the parents were good at all. Like I said, across the board, I am the ass. Again, not surprising to the audience at all, but across the board, I am the ass. Across the board, I am the problem. I guess I'll give myself the benefit of the doubt on one, but across the board, I am the ass. 
Uh, it's just coincidental here that Anna Marie is an only child, and therefore her parents are around more than in other circumstances. Uh, just like my parents aren't around as much because, you know, I'm one of four. So, um, you know, I, I, that's, that's, that's a coincidence. As far as things you can actually do, things that you can actually control, uh, I also think my poker was a, was a monster problem. I guess poker came up a, a few weeks ago in questions from the audience, and I didn't realize it was. I was almost defiant about it. Uh, on top of it, during my marriage, I was a losing poker player. So that that's like that's the double whammy. I mean, it's one thing if it's like I listen, I gotta play poker. I make a hundred grand a year playing poker. I think anybody would kind of go, oh well, then God bless you, unless I'm making two million a year and the hundred grand's five percent. But that was not the case. I was a losing poker player, and it would. And I listen, I was telling Anna Marie this because it then it also she experienced a few years of it too. Not losing, fortunately, but but. But still, the time, and she goes, yeah, our weekends were dictated by poker. And then on top of it, not only were you not available to hang out, but then if the tournament ended poorly, and unless you win, the tournament is going to end poorly, you would, uh, you'd be in a bad mood. Because when you get knocked out of a tournament, it's not a fun time, especially if you've spent like nine hours on it. And I just look back on that with such regret, not just because of the time, which you never get back, but also the, the impact it had on relationships. So... Uh, another pro tip on the off chance you're playing online poker, and I don't even know if one person listening is doing that anymore uh, to the level that it was 10 years ago with poker stars and full tilt. But on the off chance you are, I would say it's not necessarily, um, you know, something that I would I would recommend. But to to blame to blame to blame it on online poker would be you know uh, would be not taking responsibility. Although I guess I'm taking responsibility. It's across the board. I also think. You know, again, I'm the ass. That that needs to be really the headline and the only thing. But I also do think um, what I have dealt with and then really take to heart and let me bother more than maybe Doug and the cat and Martin um, is the stuff that we have dealt with with the radio show. Again, anytime I talk about it, um, people read what they read in the Post-Dispatch. And for every one story that gets the post-dispatch, the ratio has got to be like 10 to 1 on things that never get there and that we, that, we, that we deal with and we do our best to never let get out. Because if it gets out, then it becomes a distraction and it could hurt the show's you know, ability to continue, which is, I think, one of the keys to the thing being on as long as it's been. And, but, but obviously my, my, my wife and I guess... Um, you know, not all of my relationships, because only really two relationships have, have been a part of my radio portion of my career. Um, but they experience it. They know the stuff that's going on. And, you know, I wear that stuff on my sleeve, man. It causes me not to sleep. Uh, it, it, it's phone calls at all hours. It's dealing with, you know, attorneys, advisors. And I know, and I know, and I know it's got to sound like there's no fucking way. But it's... You know, it's been right. I, I think 2007. You know, which is well before I met Anna Marie. Um, so obviously, this goes back to previous relationship uh, territory. That was a brutal one. That was one where you know I had a contract that went through like September of 2008, and it wasn't. You know, I mean, it was for, I, it's, it's an awkward conversation, uh, but you know, it was for a good amount of money. It wasn't you know 
you know, it wasn't like, I don't, I don't know. Either way, it was a good amount of money. There's no way to, to downplay it, but it also wasn't like, you know, something that I couldn't get somewhere else. But either way, I'm under contract. And I just remember going into the general manager. I was so depressed, depressed, comfortable using the word. I know it gets used and it has been used liberally in the past. Now people are careful when they use it. I was absolutely depressed, 100% depressed. I was depressed from the moment of the Cardinals World Series Parade in October of 2006 until June of 2007 um, because Martin had quit the show and they were messing with us personally and professionally and it was brutal. It was brutal. It was very brutal. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I'm living with someone and I'm married to someone and that person you know, I'm assuming many of you either have wives or girlfriends or husbands or boyfriends and picture that person being depressed. And I'm sure many of you have dealt with it or many of yourselves have been the one that is depressed and how that then impacts your wife, your girlfriend, your husband, your boyfriend, your, you know, your children. I, I didn't have children at the time. Um, and it's not like it stopped there, but it goes back to that. And then how I would prioritize that over my personal relationships. That's another thing. That's bad. So, um, and then again, unfortunately, uh, it's not like it, like I said, it's not like it ended in 2007, but, uh, you know, the cat, Doug, Martin, the producers of the show who have been a part of it, they could, they could rattle off these stories. I mean, hell, you could do like an oral history of TMA and, and people would be like, you've got to be kidding me for real. There'd be, if we did it, there would be, uh, there'd have to be around 25 things that people are not aware of where they, they'd go, there's no way it's real. But I'd like to think with like me, Doug, the cat, Martin, you know, that people would go, shit, these guys have been in the market for 20 years. It's not like they're known to just like bullshit. You know, they've been carrying jobs for two decades. They must, you know, be doing something right. And we get the benefit of the doubt on it. And it's not like we want to do it. We could do it. But it's just, it, it's, it's, it's been, you know, it's been something else, you know, when you're talking about a show, it's been on the air for 15 years with, you know, with one host change in that time. So, um, in order to do that, you, you have to navigate some stuff behind the scenes and it carries over and it, in, in the people I have been with have had to experience that. And then I wear it on my sleeve. And then from 2010 on, uh, you know, Inside STL has owned the content of TMA and it owns the content of the Tim McKernan show now here. And, um, you know, I just, I, I, I don't do a good job still. I think I do a better job than I used to, but I don't do a good job still of letting some things roll off my sleep or going, you know what? It sucks, but I can't do anything about it. Um, because I think still people in the audience think that I, do have that responsibility and so I do then take it to heart and then I do whatever I can to try and either keep the peace or fix it or whatever the case might be and and I look at it and I'm like my god I've, I've I haven't I'm doing all this stuff I'm communicating you know with all these people but I haven't even talked to my wife about it and then by the time it's time to actually have a couple minutes with her I haven't talked to her because I'm doing all this other stuff for people I'm I'm not married to and that's just that's fucked up I think I kind of reached a point here relatively recently where I'm just like I, I you know I'm gonna do my damnedest but at this point I can't I really can't do anymore because it's gonna hurt my personal relationship and I can't do it I mean now I'm a father it's a different ball game so I don't know that that's that's my that's my answer uh very long-winded 
But the answer is, A, number one, I'm an ass, uh, without question. And then uh, our second, as in B, or number two, would be uh, some circumstances with this marriage that aren't through any work of my own, just are, are, are different. And I think um, a relationship with, with in-laws and brothers and sisters and so on, that where it becomes like a real family, um, is, that just helps the marriage. But, you know, I, I, the last thing I want to do is be a guy who, like, acts like I've got it all figured out. I mean, I'm fumble-fucking around as a first-time father. I'm still fumble-fucking around as a husband. It's not like I got it all figured out. Um, I just know that, you know, I, I am uh, – the person I am in 2019 is a hell of a lot different than the person I was in 2004, 5, 6, 7 – uh, eight part of 2008 when I was married. Um, and, and I really just, you know, um, I will always, always, always regret that always there because now it's been 11 years and, and it's not like, I'm like, Oh, well, I'm, you know, whatever over, over being an ass. Um, it's like, okay, it's, it's been 11 years and I still regret it. And so I've, I've told, I've told, my wife um, told Anna Marie, I said, I'm just the, the day I die, that'll that'll be when I, I stop regretting uh, being an ass, you know, being a shitty husband because I'll always have it. But, uh, you know, I suppose the good that comes from it is that you recognize it and then you you do your damnedest to improve upon it. But, you know, it doesn't, doesn't like, it doesn't fix it. It just, it just, you're, you have to be cognizant of it. So I don't know. I don't know if this helps anybody at all. It's just so much me just kind of uh, saying this is, you know, without going into, uh, you know, like I said, specifics, because it, it goes beyond marriage. It goes back relationships back to 1995. So, you know, like I said, headline, I'm an ass. I'm trying to be less of an ass. Um, and being a parent certainly is the game changer. Um, as far as it's just like, yeah, I mean, you know, fuck me, who cares? I got to take care of my son. And that's, that's the greater good. And I do think being a parent, I remember people, somebody said this at one point, I'm sure plenty of people have said it, but I remember reading and thinking, really, is that the case? Being a parent makes you a better person. And I always thought that was kind of like a shitty thing to say. Um, because then it's like, well, what do you say to the people who aren't parents? You're saying they're not as good a people, but I get it now. I, I think the way that that was said doesn't necessarily bring a lot of people to the tent because it can come off the wrong way. It's like when somebody says, well, he's a good God-fearing person. Well, what about the people who are agnostic or atheist? You know, are they bad atheists? I mean, what? So, you know, whatever, especially oftentimes when people say that, it's like some hand job setting it up for a double hand standard, you know, well, he acted like an asshole here and, you know, but he's God-fearing, so we give him a get-out-of-jail-free card. But I get it, and I think the the better way would be once you have a child, you are less selfish. Um, I don't want to say you're selfless, because I know that I'm not, but you are certainly less selfish, and it's just a totally different worldview. And personally, for me, I love it. Had I had my son at 25 years old, I don't know if I would have felt that way, because I was just not there mentally, emotionally. I just wasn't there. Uh, but I know plenty of you listening or had children at 25 or younger, and, and God bless you. Uh, for me, I wasn't ready. But it's a it's a case-by-case case thing. So anyway, there's a very 
Long-winded answer, Micah. I like the question. I, 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 good for you. I tip my cap. I want people to ask questions where they think they might get told to fuck off. They're encouraged. Email them in. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. You're going to be hearing him on TMA now, and that's great because I was talking with Mark, uh, talking about him being a, a regular caller on TMA. Call in uh, like what Ryan Kelly has been doing for a while. And I said, I can't wait for you to call in. And for the people who don't listen to the podcast regularly and aren't necessarily familiar with you, I can't wait to be able to let them know about what you do. Um, Because I feel so strongly about it. Uh, Mark Hanna at Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Phone number is 314-889-0503. 314-889-0503. Or go online at evergreenstl.com. That's evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna is someone who will get you on the right track with your finances. And, you know, I was thinking, I was, I, I now as I, I, you know, track my stuff and spreadsheets and keep budgets, you know, ranging from take your pick of whatever to months to groceries to restaurants, whatever. And I remember I used to meet with my broker, uh, you know, and this isn't even that long ago, by the way. I think it's less than a year ago but I'm not sure. Either way, it wasn't very long ago. And he'd go, look, we're up 10% year over year. And I'd be like, I don't even, I, whatever, whatever, who cares? I don't know. I mean, I'm 41. 41! Not like 19. I'm 41. Mark Hanna is going to help you, and Mark Hanna is going to get you on the right track. And if I knew Mark Hanna 20 years ago, I would be in a different position financially than I am now. A much better, better position. It's that simple. How often can you say that about um, a a person in business or a a product? But I, without question, had I met Mark at age 21 as opposed to age 41, I would be in an incredibly better position than I am now. It's that simple. And he can do the same thing for you, and it will help immediately. 314-889-0503. Now, you're like, what does he do? Give me stock tips? No. He's a financial advisor for what you want, whether it be short-term or long-term. You know? Because um, I was asking, I was asking, uh, you know, just in general, like, okay, what if I wanted to, you know, if we started looking for a new house, you know, or whatever, how it would happen? Like, how, how does that whole process even work, which is, again, is pretty basic stuff here, but here I am, and I know how it works, but I'm talking about, like, I want to make sure I set aside so I have a, a, a good amount to put down, um, and, you know, and they're like, well, this is what we do, you know, and here's how, you know, you make sure you're setting the money aside, but it's 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 also earning money, it's not just sitting in a savings account, you know, basic stuff, like, I was looking at my savings account that was just a year ago, I'm just like, what am I doing, what was I doing, and now I love my budget spreadsheets, which is just so basic. And I'm not saying everybody needs to create a budget spreadsheet at all. I think it's helpful. But I just know how I am once I get on something. that I Like I keep this health chart. And it goes back to, two, I can tell you what I ate on June 24th, 2008. It's weird stuff, man. But I didn't do that with my money. And I'm not saying you need to do it. I'm just saying that's how odd I am. And if I would have been doing my money because I met with somebody like Mark Hanna, I'd be in better shape. His number is 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. All right, what are we going to? Gangster Pete, we'll make it a Sadie Hawkins. You want the fan page 
or you want an email. Your call. I'm ready for both of them. Email. Email it is. Gangster Pete, not a fan of the fan page. That's what I'm taking it from. Uh, let's see. Fan page is great. There it is. Official endorsement. Um, let's see. This was a good one. I, I don't know if it's going to knock things off track. Hey, Tim, I'm just wondering what your thoughts were on the Mark Marin interview with Aaron Sorkin. I heard you mention that you listened to it. I like to think of myself as a moderate Democrat, but some of the stuff Sorkin said really pissed me off. He seems to have absolute disdain for most of the country. I can see where the left is alienating a lot of moderates. This comes from, this person didn't say whether or not to use his name. Uh, Dennis is, is the name. I won't, of course, give the last name. Um, now, this is... This is tough because I know that the vast majority of the people listening didn't listen to the interview, and I listened to the interview, but I think it's from a while back. Uh, I think we're ta- I listened to it in January, um, and it might have been it might have come out before then. Aaron Sorkin, for those who don't know, is the uh, rat-a-tat-tat dialogue writer. Uh, the, the super quick pacing dialogue writer, West Wing, would certainly be one that might be best known for. Uh, the newsroom on HBO was a recent um, one. He's got To Kill a Mockingbird going on Broadway, A Few Good Men, uh, The West Wing. I would imagine for a number of you who are conservative, you might think he is the Antichrist. I don't know. I don't, I don't view him that way, but, you know, um, who knows? I, you know, anytime I get into this topic, hopefully I get the benefit of the doubt, but maybe I don't. I don't know. Uh, like Doug calls me a lunatic liberal, Dan, Dan, uh, you know, uh, on the show, and uh, I'm sitting there going, you know, I, I voted for John Kasich in the Missouri primary, but I mean, is is that where it is? If I'm not like, so who knows? I don't, I don't, I don't know. But either way, the thing, and it's been a couple months, but I remember seeing the question on the email, and I thought, okay, I'm going to answer this because Sorkin's thing was kind of where I think I still am, except now he is more vigilant. And it used to be, and I'm paraphrasing here, and I would recommend people listen to the interview, although I, I, I know, you know, like 2% will. But if you do, email me and give me your thoughts. Because I remember listening to it and going, God, I, ah, I disagree with what he's saying here, even though we probably have a similar worldview. And I'm paraphrasing, and I could be incorrect in doing this because I listened to it two months ago, and I'm listening to it while I'm driving, so I'm not necessarily totally locked in. But it was just, you know, obviously they covered his career, but then they got into politics. And to summarize it, it was something along the lines of, I used to think, you know, people voted for this person or this person. That's fine. We just have a different view on it. And they're good people. We just have different views. And now I'm of the opinion that you can't possibly be a good person and vote for Donald Trump, essentially. And I might be overstating it, but that kind of was it. And that you can't just sit back and let this happen. You have to fight it. And... I just, I, first off, I absolutely disagree with one. I did the first point that you can't be a good person to vote for Donald Trump because now you're like taking shots at my, I assume, my parents and, and my in laws and, you know. Uh, and I'm sure some of you are listening to this going, no, I totally, dis- I totally agree with this statement. I, did, I just absolutely, just 100% disagree with it. I'm not even like in the ballpark of partially agreeing. Um, I mean, I don't know what else to say on it. I just, I, I just, I just, don't period there's nothing else to say on that but that's where he was so let's have that conversation uh and then secondarily that you have to fight it (sighs) 
on that, I don't. So much of it is. I've said this a few times before. I feel like I've said this. I say I've said this a few times before on questions from the audience, like thirty times. Like you could do an over ender on how many times I'm going to say again, or I've said this a few times before. But it's just trying to be aware, because I know some people listen to these things like religiously and are like, "Oh, you're going to say this again." But it, in this context, this this topic's never come up. I feel like what, what he's talking about is there's a way to fight it if you do feel passionately about it, um, and 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 fighting it it depends on what your definition of fighting it is if fighting it means calling people dumb who voted for Donald Trump or racist um, you know or selfish I mean I guess by definition you are fighting it but I'm telling you you're not going to win the fight it might feel good to get your frustration out but I'm only really helping anything so I would say if you feel passionately about it, I wouldn't use the word fight. I would use the word change. And I would use the word change in the context of calmly. And if you want it to be passionate, fine, but not screaming or being condescending. Calmly explaining why you disagree. The fine hand. That is the thing that I know I've talked about before. And I heard Frank Cusimano use it. There's an Italian phrase. as a mick. I can't rattle that off. If my wife was around the house, maybe she could but I got the place to myself, and I don't have it, and I don't speak Italian. But there's some phrase for the fine hand, and by that means the manner with which you convey the message. It's so important. And that is what I think you can bring people to at least question their views with if you lay it out calmly and respectfully. But I assure you, there was a post on the TMA fan page like yesterday or uh, two days ago. And some guy, and, and oftentimes it's like beer snobs and soccer snobs, and they just can alienate people. And they and I don't think they get that they're doing it. And it's the weirdest fucking thing, but whatever. To like like look down on people because they drink a certain kind of beer or uh, or they don't follow soccer. It's a weird deal, but whatever. It, it, I, you know, it doesn't really impact my life. I just see it and find it to be fascinating. I don't know if it's unique to St. Louis, but whatever. Uh, and uh, I, it's, I guess he, he was kind of like shitting on people who weren't supporting, um, you know, uh, what was what, what, God, I got to look up. I want to look up the post and read it because then I'll do a better job on, on the whole thing. And people are just like, you know, you're not really going to win people over to your side by by starting off the pace the, your post by basically saying fuck off, you know. Uh, okay, here you go. If you are behind the MLS for the Lou movement, but you aren't going out to soccer part to support what we have now, then you are missing out. I get it. It's not top tier. I'm not expecting people to be all STLFC fanboy all the time, but MLS and Don G are watching. The team is off to a very impressive 2-0 start and atop the power rankings for the league this week. Weather should be nice. It's cheap. Get your asses out to the soccer park this weekend or shut up. <laughs> and I guess the initial post was he started off with some kind of fuck off, which I didn't see. I guess he edited it, I suppose, as a moderator on the page. I could go back and see it. Yeah, maybe I can. Maybe I'll do that and see if it did say fuck off. Let me see here. ba 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 uh, let's see. I'm legitimately curious what it was. Oh, yeah, it did say. 
if <laughs> wow, if you were behind the MLS for the Lou movement, but you aren't going to, out to Soccer Park to support what we have now, then you can fuck off. Mm. Now that's what I'm talking about. This was great. I'm glad that I actually did this. Gangster Pete, you like that? Yes, I think it's. I mean, I just hate it when people try to beat you over the head with their thought instead of <laughs> yeah, like have an actual like, conversation. If you're not into what you know. Brazzers is putting out right now, then fuck off. It's great porn. <laughs> you know, I know that I'm on my own little island with enjoying the stag. Now, well, I know, actually, I'm not on my... I'm very comfortable in saying more people are watching porn than are watching the soccer team in St. Louis. You know, um, not necessarily a bold statement, but I guess because people are saying, oh, my God, Tim and porn, it's like a, it's like a do- default clip. But, I mean, I think I mean, if you take the step back and you actually had to put money on that statement, which one would you agree with, me in the porn comment or the soccer comment? It's me in the porn comment. We all know it. I just am the one who talks about it because I'm pervert, boy. Fine. I want St. Louis to get an MLS team. All for it. As a matter of fact, I think it's a five-star lock. St. Louis is getting an MLS team, and the rest of this is just formalities to line up Sacramento and Phoenix with teams, and they got to do this dance, and St. Louis already has a team, and whatever. And it'll be great, and it'll be a rush of enthusiasm and pride for St. Louis when it happens. I just think it's already done. If I'm wrong, you can come back and troll me because I said boldly I think it is done, and I actually think I already know the sponsors on the building and on the jersey and all these things, but I don't want to be the guy to do it. And you know, So whatever. I think it's done. That's what I think, and I think it's a great thing. With that said, some people just aren't into certain things. Some people like things. Some people like other things. And the last thing you're going to do by trying to get people onto the thing that you like is by telling the people who don't like the thing that you like that you can go fuck off. (laughs) Just telling you from a strategic standpoint, that doesn't bring people to your side. And I realize I'm, I'm using an extreme example of a guy who is probably being satirical in his post, I think. I don't know the gentleman. Uh... But passionate about soccer, that, that this does go on with politics. And I see it, official disclaimer, from both the left and the right, and disclaimer, and I'm just like, like, what is your goal here? Like, I get it when I'm like, it's the cable news anchor or the talk show host, and it's like, or the Twitter poster who's becoming an influencer. I get it from them. I don't get it from, like, I, today, and I don't, I don't know who, who she was, because I, I basically have uh, muted like the people that I'm Facebook friends with, but who I don't really know. Um, and so like my wife will scroll through Facebook. She's, oh, I can't handle the politics. I go, how in the hell do you see politics on Facebook? But she doesn't mute people. I mute people. And so uh, I, you know, I don't see this stuff. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm scrolling this morning. I actually saw a political post. And I'm just like, who in the hell is this person? I just unfriended the person. I don't even know how I was friends with the person. Nice, nice-looking, uh, probably 25 to 30-year-old female mother, and I'm just like, what in the hell was that? How did that pop up in my feed? Uh, just because, unfortunately, the people I am close friends with, they, they have the personality trait that they're not going to be, you know, using Facebook to, like, plagiarize Sean Hannity or Rachel Maddow. You know, it's just not a personality trait that's usually going to be in my, my circle of friends. Uh, so... The, 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 the tactic is so, so important. The fine hand is so important. So I totally disagree with both of Aaron Sorkin's premises that you can't be a good person and voted for Donald Trump, uh, which, you know, I don't think too many people are going, wow, Tim, bold. But I'm sure there are some people going, oh, I actually agree with that, and I get it. Uh, I just disagree with it. 
Because um, I'm sure there were some people that were saying you can't be a good person, vote for Hillary Clinton. So, you know, cuts both ways. That was the phenomenon that was November 2016. And I have a feeling that we're in for, you know, a, quite a few more phenomena over the next uh, however many months we have in between November uh, now and November 2020. Uh, and then fighting, yes, fighting, fighting in one capacity, but 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 I, I disagree with the term fighting. I, I, presenting your case, if you are like a host of a radio show, in the case of me or a podcast, uh, with a different perspective, but not being like, and how about this dumb shit who voted for Trump? Or how about this dumb shit Trump supporter? How about these rednecks who are wearing their MAGA hats? You know, I mean, ah, it seems so obvious to me too. But maybe I'm wrong. It's not like I, it's not like I know. I mean, what campaign have I run? But I'm just like, you know, I might disagree. But I also know that shitting on people as stupid or racist or whatever is not the way. Or, or just like you know, if you if you want to appeal to somebody who's liberal, libtard, you <laughs> know, white guilt, you know that type of shit. You know, it's just you know, ugh. Gangster Pete fan page email call your shot. Uh, we'll uh, we'll give fan page a run. All right, you're you're reluctant to go to the fan page. I sense it. I will go to the fan page and let's see what we got here. I posted a picture of Rudy, Todd Wellemeyer, Felipe Lopez, and Callie Taylor uh, <laughs> judging a girl next door contest at the third anniversary of Inside STL in 2008. That's how I can go find the thread easily. All right, because I remember there were a couple good questions in here. Uh, total body of work. Is Doug Vaughn the funniest human being you've been so blessed to work with? Um, my top three would be Doug, Martin, and Artie Lang. I realize it's not like I worked a lot with Artie Lang, but I did work with him, so I got to count him. Um, uh, I don't know if Artie was necessarily at the top of his game when I did work with him. Uh, when he was like the th- number three on Stern was the greatest thing ever. Uh, Martin, to me, might be the one I would say, and I've said this before, I've said it a number of times, the most talented person um, I've worked with. And, and it's a weird thing to say because people, oh, that's a shot at Doug or that's a shot at the cat or that's a shot at take your pick of whomever, I don't know, and none of it's a shot. It's, it's just a compliment to Martin because I think Martin can be hilarious in a uh, – a Jay Leno kind of monologue way or hilarious in like a cutting Lenny Bruce kind of way. Uh, and then uh, and then he can be opinionated and back it up and get fired up. All of these things. Um, and, you know, I just, I just have the utmost respect for him. Um, you know, as far as his ability as a broadcaster. So... Th- you know, saying that, working with Doug, and I worked with Doug, because apparently Doug joining the morning after in 2007 was viewed at the time as like, oh my God, what are they doing? Because people looked at Doug as just the guy that they had seen occasionally on Channel 4, you know, and they're like, this guy isn't going to work. But I had worked with him at KMOV for five years, and the funniest, I think, I, I don't know if I've laughed harder in my life than how hard we laughed back in the V sports office from 2000 through 2005. Me, Doug, Steve Savard, our producers, Tim Klutzartz, Troy Roberts. Uh, at the time, we as the, 
the on-air people couldn't touch the editing equipment for union rules, uh, the IBEW rules. Now that totally has changed, but at the time we couldn't, so we always had an editor there. Uh, Mark Griffin was our sports editor, hilarious, and then there'd be, you know, obviously people would come in and out throughout the course of the week, and and we would laugh our asses off, and people, I think, you know, I don't know who they would have thought out of that group, because I realize some are people that aren't household names that are working behind the scenes would think was the funniest and it was Doug, and he was just hilarious, but in this totally, I mean, it's so dry. You know, I was I was walking uh, along out to one of our games at Fantasy Camp. Who was I with? I was with Alan Bennis, Dave Veers, Scott Cooper, and, I, and maybe Ryan Franklin. We were walking out to one of our games, and uh, I don't think I had ever met Scott Cooper before. And uh, Alan was introducing me to Scott because we were on the same team. And he goes, you know Timmy McKernan, uh, you know, worked in TV, has that radio show, although he's a pervert. Of course, there it is. It always will be with me. Might as well be. And uh, and he goes, but uh, he goes, oh, yeah, no, I, I, I like that. He goes, that Doug Vaughn cracks me up. He's just so dry. And I, go, I guess, yeah, I guess he is, although I don't necessarily think of it as dry humor. I feel like the way that it works with Doug is, and Doug will say this too, because Doug's been asked about, you know, possibly like I've, you know, obviously with the podcast and then talking about doing the six to seven show, don't know if it'll ever happen. Um, You know, doing a show on my own, Doug doing a show on his own. And he's just like, yeah, I just, that's not who I am. I'm not that guy. Um, Now I'm not sure that's necessarily the case, but you know, Doug is at a different point in his career than I am, and he's not looking to necessarily start up a brand new thing, um, even though I have no doubt in my mind, if he wanted to, he could, and he would be incredible at it, because he's just so talented, he's so talented, so naturally funny, and Gangster Pete, you can confirm this, because um, sometimes these kinds of things are said, like either after a person passes away, or after a show, or somebody steps down, retires, whatever, uh, so I, I, I think it's good to say it while the person is, you know, still part of the show and then it's not just like, you know, the after the fact compliments as far as a coworker goes. And I know it's Doug's favorite phrase, like not to use right. the term friend, but coworker goes. And I guess by definition at times he has been my employee, but I never view it that way. Um, I don't know if you could get a better person for real, I, as far as what he brings to the table, but then also right. who he is behind the scenes. Yeah, and then what you get on the air, that's Doug. I mean, he's yeah. just himself. Like, yeah. he's hilarious, good guy. And that's the thing. So when people get upset about his right. political takes, and I understand it, I don't, I don't share his views, but I'm like, yeah, he's a good guy. And so what, because he said something that somebody doesn't disagree with or in 2019 is deemed offensive and the type of thing that somebody has to either apologize for, or get suspended for, or get fired for, because you're not, you're going to judge that in that moment. Then you want like, then and oftentimes it comes my way. Like, why are you letting him do it? Well, first off, he doesn't work for me, so that's that's, and he's a he's a grown man. He doesn't he doesn't answer to me. Um, but I my, my I have 20 years of working with him, whether it be you know five at KMOV and 14 or what are we now and uh, with the 12, I guess so 17 years working with him combined, TV and radio. You know, he's just a good guy. He's just he's He's just rock solid and couldn't be 
We had we had something pop up. I don't remember what it was because there have been so many damn things a couple years ago. And I said, I know this is, you know, brutal, and I'm sorry that it's going on. And he goes, well, he goes, we've dealt with it before. In a couple months, we'll laugh about how stupid it was because we'll get past it. And I'm just like, you're exactly right. And it's such, such a healthy – I and it's like I used to say on the air, I envy the Plowhawks just like – constant happiness now he's gotten banty <laughs> i have no idea what the fuck happened but either way he's still a great guy he's still happy as can be he's just got banty sports takes for whatever reason whatever i envy doug's just kind of yeah we made a we made a weird career choice and got in a business that we thought would be great and it was when we were in our 20s but now we're adults and oh we're just kind of stuck here and you know it's great though because we're lucky that we get to do it and a lot of people would love to be in our position but we deal with a lot of shit that nobody else deals with in their jobs, but it's fun. Yeah, I got to work seven days a week, but whatever. And it's just like, God bless you, you know? So, yes, absolutely, ridiculously hilarious. I think I would say the funniest person. Um, it's just it, Now I get when Tony LaRusso would be asked those questions about um, – you know, compare the 88 A's to the 2004 card. Well, I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful to the A's. Uh, and now I get it because it can come off the wrong way. But, you know, I mean, the reason TMA has been on for as long as it has with essentially the same three hosts minus the one change when Martin quit uh, because Barrett was driving him up the wall. And, you know, I mean, a handful of producers, which is really saying something, uh you know, over 15 years, it'll be 15 years in July, is because of the talent of the people. And I'm not just talking about the people on the air, the talent of the people behind the scenes, too. And also the, the ability to get along. And, uh, you know, and so when I, th- so I get it. It's like you're, the question is how, why would somebody say, you know, what does everybody like off the air and tell me about some TMA gossip? Because, you know, I'm not going to get into that. But, you know, I don't, I, I don't, I'm not able to, I guess I am trying to right now, compartmentalize somebody to just funny on the air because if that person was just funny on the air but a shit disturber behind the scenes, the person wouldn't be a part of our show. You know, I mean, that's just not how the thing works because so much of the show is giving each other shit. Uh, in order to be able to give each other shit, you have to like each other. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't, you're not comfortable ripping somebody um, if you're like, man, I fucking hate that person. So, uh, so that's what I, that's why I wanted to say, because Pete, you and I had the conversation, I don't even know how it came up, but I'm just like, isn't it amazing just like how, you know, Doug brings what he brings to the show and is hilarious and also not afraid to give his opinions for better or for worse. Take your pick. Some people love the politics. Some people don't, whatever. But he, but just like, you just know he's going to be there. You know, he's going to do the job and. And while that seems kind of basic and it might have been a good old days kind of conversation, it's just not a common thing. And, and, Rock solid. Know, yeah. I mean, it is, it is, it is it's so great. And, and the thing is, I'm glad I'm saying this now because it would be like awkward for me to say this to Doug. I guess when we had our Inside STL 10th anniversary. Yeah. God, that's almost been now. Holy shit. That's almost been four years. Uh, and I was operating CBS Sports 920. Um I gave, uh, you know, like a gift, I guess, for lack of a better term, um, to to Doug and the cat, and you know, kind of 
I don't know if I don't poured out my heart would be the right thing, but you know, wrote some stuff out, and I just wanted to thank them because the, the, the inside STL would have never made it as long as it has without those guys. And uh, you know, but I mean, it's just we, the cat and I, and Doug and I, we just don't we, we don't have the, these like kind of you know conversations like I'm having right now. It'd be kind of weird, I think. Um, I'm, I'm sure we will if we do have the fortune of, you know saying okay it's been a great run you know and and certain but i so that's why i want to say it now whenever the time comes that it comes to an end that while it is still going on and while the audience is still growing that i am saying since i was asked that question yes that's probably the answer um but also he's just for those of you who are curious he's just you know and it's it's i also i don't want i also and doug might be uncomfortable i also don't want to portray it as He's like the patron saint of, you know, kindness. But th- but but when I say that, then that doesn't mean that he's like a mean guy either. I just, I don't want it to be like, oh my God, Doug must be the greatest guy. He's just a guy, you know, but he's a guy who does the job. So, you know, he just does, he just does his job. It's like he's off like for a couple days next week and I bet he feels guilty about it, but he's going to do something with his family. And I'm like, great, good for you. Do that. I want you to t- I mean it's not my call but I want you to take as much time as you want and enjoy your family man um, but you just know he's going to do the job and and there's there's hardly ever any bitching and and he's hilarious so the choice back in 2007 to have Doug join the show while and I can picture where I was I was sitting in front of Wellbridge which I think is still around in Clayton used to be where I worked out it's there it is okay uh and and it was such a minor thing at the moment but like what it meant you know like what that choice meant you know I mean I, I also it's 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 radio in St. Louis so let's you know let's not like turn this into you know FDR's new deal or something here but for for this company and this show and for the purpose of those listening to this podcast and therefore you have to be into this crap otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this especially what an hour in uh i mean it was just an absolutely defining moment but not just because of his talent but because he's just a great person to work with and we've been incredibly lucky on the show um to have just really good people working on the show Certainly, of course, you know, the, the people you hear on the air, but also behind the scenes. That's such a it's such a huge part of it. You can't you can't overstate it. I mean, I, I, I and that's why I want to that's why I want to spend some time on it since the question came up. Is he the funniest person I've worked with? Uh, I guess so. But it's just it's just different styles of humor. Like Martin's sense of humor is different. The cat's sense of humor is different. Artie's sense of humor is different. Uh, I don't know who else has cracked me up. Jennings cracks me up. Charlie cracks me up. Uh, Iggy is an obviously <laughs> totally different fucking world than anybody, um, and I and that's that's like just unapologetic about who he is, which is great. So I don't know. That's the key, man. And and like we're all I think we're all aware of it, whether it be because Doug's like, yeah, I'm not going to be doing this forever, or uh, the cat might be like, I'm not going to be doing this forever. And I'm like, Oh, I might have 20 more years in this business. I might be done tomorrow. I have no idea, but I think we are all aware of that. This is a unique run that we have been so lucky to have that, that we're just grateful that we got to experience it because you rarely do. And I, and and the cat and I kind of got to experience it two different times 
because the fact that it happened once with Martin was one thing. You know, and it was kind of a – at that time, now looking back, now with 12 years with Doug, but with Martin, it was only two years and four months. But it was starting to gain traction to the point that – I don't know how this happened at KFNS because it, it, it really can't happen at KFNS because of the way the ratings are tabulated. Um, but I think we got to third in the in the market in our demographic, which at the time was just like unheard of because I know we got ratings bonuses. And I remember when they put the ratings bonuses in our contracts, we just kind of laughed. It was like, well, that's great. Make them $10 million because we're never going to get them. And then all of a sudden we got one. And uh, and we're just like, holy shit. You know, they're, they, here they are fucking with the show, but they're going to have to cut us a check for ratings bonus. Well played, boys. Uh, hey, James Carlton's a wonderful sponsor of this program. Carlton State Farm Insurance Agencies in Webster Groves, just really good people. He's online at carltoninsurance.net. James Carlton, if your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton State Farm. I did, and I switched to James Carlton, and I recommend you do the same. And if you do, they do all the work for you. And it's a different world once you're with James Carlton. I drive this point home because I've experienced it, experienced it firsthand over the last few months. You miss something. And somebody there is calling you and emailing you and saying, hey, you know, you got to make sure that you're, you're paid up on this policy. Oh, here are your insurance cards. They're, they're, you know, they're not, you know, you don't need them for a couple months, but just so you have them, here they are. You know, it's, it's, it's things that you go, oh, that's, but I just wasn't getting that. And I love having it with James Carlton. I want you to experience it as well. Do it. You'll see why he gets these great Google and Facebook reviews. 314-961-4800. 314-961-4800. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call uh, James Carlton. State Farm. Uh, final question here. I'm going to the um, for my time purposes. Uh, this I've gotten a lot of emails about this. I don't want to make. I don't want to overstate that either. I've gotten a few emails, but it's surprising that I've gotten the number. So I'm calling it a lot. It's been like five. Uh, about like somebody emailed in about an introvert book, and then I deleted the email, and now I've forgotten what the name of it was. So if that guy's listening, email me it, and then I'll be able to mention it on the next questions from the audience. You seem to love to socialize with people, yet have stated multiple times on air that you don't like leaving your house and enjoy being by yourself. So do you consider yourself to be an introvert or extrovert? Uh, to answer the question, it's introvert. To address the body of the question, um, I, 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 that, that I don't like leaving the house, that's kind of, a, in a way, a joke. Uh, it's self-deprecating. It's more playing on... I guess, like the cat kind of has inadvertently created like backlash against me. He did it with the InsideSTL.com message board like 12 years ago and now has done it with the TMA fan page where people are so conscious of agreeing with me that they're like, ring the gong or I know it's a lemming thing. So they like have to put a disclaimer on it and it sucks because now I'm going through that again, which is fucking miserable. And I know you might be like, what are you even talking about? Because you're not on the TMA fan page, but... It's just like, I'm, I'm like, oh, here's 2007 again. It's great because the cat calls the people who agree with me lemmings. And in reality, they just happen to agree with me. Or they might be like, ah, I don't really agree with the guy's politics, but he's making a decent point. Um, even though I don't even know my own politics, it's just I'm really not on board with theocracies. That essentially is my, my political party. I'm not on board with theocracies. Don't care what the religion is, just not on board with theocracies. Uh, and, and so, I'm, you know, that, that's something that, is playing on the, the cat thing where, oh, Tim's one of the cools. Because I'm like, yeah, I'm, I mean, on Friday nights, I can't keep my eyes open past 11 o'clock. So if I'm so cool, why am I barely able to keep my eyes open at 11 o'clock? Um, 
you know, and I also know that he really, really doesn't think I'm that cool, so it's me kind of also playing along with the exaggeration thing. Um, so, I mean, I, you know, it just, it just so, for me, I don't like to be out in shitty weather. And so, therefore, we'll have maybe two or three months of great weather in St. Louis of 12, and I like to be out in that. If it's rainy, if it's hotter than hell, if it's cold as can be, I'm just not interested. I'm just not. And then you might go, oh, you're so soft snowflake but i just don't i just hate it not for it not interested not gonna do it um so you know there's that and then we have a child and so that certainly curtails you know wanting to get fucked up even if we did it's like okay we might have somebody watching him but we got to wake up and make sure we're on our games um so it's kind of overstated I do enjoy, I love talking with the audience. I love interacting with the audience, whether that be on social media or in person. Um, seems like a decent number of the audience somehow has my phone number and will just kind of text me. <laughs> I, Gangster Peters, you know I have a couple of phones. It's not because I'm operating uh, on the Ray King plan, but because uh, we use them for our Facebook Lives and Twitters. And I'm just kind of like, I'm starting to use the other phone more, and I might get to a point where I'm off this one uh, just because it's like, yeah, I don't know what to tell you about a recommendation for a restaurant in Las Vegas. Thanks for texting me at 9 o'clock, though, on a Friday. You know, it's kind of like, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I, at the same time, I don't know. It's I don't. It's not a huge thing to just write back Nobu or, you know, Kraft Steak or Delmonico or something like that. But it's just kind of like, you know, we don't really know each other. Why the fuck do you think, you know, but I guess you think you know me because of the radio show. I don't know. It's a... And it's not like there's 20 people doing this. It's just happened here and there, and I'm just like, really? I mean, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But so I think I think that might be more it. I, and I don't. I'm not. Maybe I'm not an introvert. Actually, uh, like I could stand up and speak in front of 20,000 people, and I, and I wouldn't have a bead of sweat on me. Um, but I don't know if that's reflective of introvert or extrovert. Um, I hate small talk. I hate small talk. It could be small talk with, uh, who's my favorite adult film star of the moment? Abigail Mack. Not interested. Not interested. It could be Abigail Mack engaging in lesbianism. Let's go with uh, Ashley Adams. And and if I have to engage in small talk in order to bear witness, I, I will pass. Not my bag. I like attempting, you know what it was said on The Bachelor a few years ago? Deep intellectual things are just my jam deep intellectual things are just my jam that's what the bachelor uh, contestant said and wow was it so deep well that's i like to have i could barely know you but if we're going to have a deep conversation i'm all for it so that's what i like i hate small talk so that so if that makes me introvert extrovert i don't know but i'm just telling you that's where i am so but i mean at the same time like if you're going to come up to me and go so what do you make of this religion thing? Well, that would probably be awkward too. So, you know, I don't know if it's, it might be a no-win situation, but I was telling you that's where I am on some stuff uh, regarding introvert and extrovert. And there was a book that somebody recommended. I don't know if I'm an introvert. It might just be my way to bail out of being like, yeah, I don't want to talk because I know it's going to be small talk and it's awkward and I don't like it and I'm not an introvert. I'm not sure. Um, but uh, socially, I certainly enjoy going out and having drinks it's just i'm at a point now where the juice isn't worth the squeeze to wake up and feel miserable and then also be a parent you know i'm just it's just not at that point i think part of going out is you know at least in my opinion going around and you're you're chasing uh 
whatever. I would say a member of the opposite sex, but maybe you're chasing a member of the same sex or whatever you're into. Good for you. And, you know, it's just not uh, it's not where things are for me. So, uh, yeah, when the cat says he's one of the cools or if you agree with them, you're a lemming, then I just kind of play into it with, uh, you know, I don't leave the couch. But you'd be surprised how much I don't really leave the couch. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Thank you to uh, Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Thank you to Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, PGA National Resort and Spa, Johnny Landoff Chevrolet, Design Air Heating and Cooling, and Mike Judy Presents at MikeJudyPresents.com. Thanks to Gangster Pete for being back in St. Louis. I'm Tim McKernan in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios in Jupiter, Florida. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network.